0: Thank you.
1: trust that you came with your hearts prepared, amen. We just want to let God have the glory that he deserves in our life, amen. We spent this weekend celebrating the founding of our nation, amen, and all the celebrations that go with that, amen. I was thinking to myself, my, if I could set off some fireworks for my Lord Jesus Christ, wouldn't that be wonderful, amen, just to let him know that I love him. Why don't we do that today in our hearts, amen, as we praise and worship, just let that fire, Just build within you and grow. Amen. Let's sing this song together, 10,000 Reasons. QF, I believe. As they pull the words of that song up there, let's sing this. Bless the
0: Lord, O my soul. Sun comes up; it's a new day dawning, and it's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass, and whatever lies before me. Then now So bless the Lord of oh my soul oh my soul worship his hope. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Hallelujah. So bless the Lord. I will worship your holy name. Could you put your hands together for Jesus this morning? Amen. He's worthy of our glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's sing that
1: song, Majesty. QG.
0: Majesty. Oh, worship his majesty.
1: when you worship that way. I had that song on my heart, Our God Reigns. It's just been bubbling on my my spirit. And I just wanted to sing this with the church because you sound so nice when you sing it. Amen. Let's let's sing this together.
0: How lovely are the mountains are the feet of Him. Amen,
1: oh good
0: news, announcing these, proclaiming news of happiness, well our God reigns, oh yes. Our God Ray. Yes. him down and when we like she had gone astray, our shepherd came. Are you thankful of that? And oh, oh yes Lord, oh he bore our
1: play a song softly there we'll mention some of these needs and I'd like to ask brother Peter coffee if he would make his way to the front to take these needs to the Lord for us amen uh, on the list here I have to mention uh sister Smith in prayer as she's recovering from her uh her issues there and we want to remember also brother Burley Williams and what he's going through amen he's uh, has a surgery to prepare for and um, he's he's coming a long ways and uh, we just want to hold him up in our prayers that everything will go smoothly for him. Amen. We remember all the folks that are the youth that are not with us today. They're up at the BYC camp and we want to uh, just remember them in prayer that God would touch their hearts and their lives. Amen. They would come back amen, with a, with a fire in their heart that they didn't have before. Amen. If they if they never knew the Lord, I pray that God would change their lives. Amen. It's always a wonderful time when you're able to be with people your own age and your own age group and just worship the Lord. Amen. I remember those times dearly in my heart, so let's keep them in prayer. If you would remember Sister Andrea Grant, Sister April's sister, um, she's got to go through some testing. I want to remember the Paschal family. They weren't able to make it today. Sister Rachel, Coffee, and Miles are not with us. Uh, also, Brother Troy and Sister Connie are not with us today. If you'd remember them in prayer, Brother Keith is away, um, so we want to remember them. The, the uh, brother David had to work, so remember them in prayer. Uh, have a special need here for uh, Hunter's dad. We want to remember uh, Brother Hunter's dad in prayer. He's recovering from heart surgery. Amen. And. Uh, I also want to remember uh, Sister Karen Buchanan in prayer. She's not feeling well uh, after some testing that she went through. So we want to remember these special needs. Amen. Hold them up before the Lord. They're unspoken prayer requests by uplifted hands. And God sees your need, and we're going to pray with you. Amen. Hold those on your heart as Brother Peter comes.
2: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, how thankful we are this morning that we can say and know within our hearts that you still reign. Father, that you're alive and that you're living in our hearts, that you're here among us this morning. Lord, that you have a standard in your word that we can follow, we can hold to, Father. And when all things start to come around and come down around us, and, and we have issues and trials in life that seem to be so constant and so ever present, Lord, and and we sing a song like that, and we just know, Father, that that you still reign and that you're still alive and you're in our hearts and that you're more in control than you ever have been at any other time in our lives. And we rest in that this morning, Lord. We thank you for that promise and we thank you for that knowledge that's that's kept in our hearts, Lord. And this morning, Father, we have many, many needs that were presented and, Father, the folks that, that submitted these needs have faith, Lord, they have faith in the prayers of the saints and have have confidence that we will lift them up in prayer, and so we do that this morning, Lord. and think of all those who are unwell, Father, and need a special healing touch, Sister Smith and Sister Rachel and Miles, Brother Burley, Lord. I think of Sister Karen Buchanan and those who are traveling, Father, Brother Keith and the, the Paschals not able to make it today. The kids that are at a camp, Father, in the BYC camp, Lord, would you just go to them today, Father, and throughout the balance of the week, Father, let the Let the services be real in their hearts. Let them come back just lit on fire for you and a real testimony to us who are here. And Father, I pray you just do a real work in their lives while they're at camp. Be with them, I pray, and keep them safe on their travels. Lord, we commit the rest of the day into your hands all that's done and said. We just lift it up before you and give it to you as an offering. And pray you bless our pastor this morning as he ministers. And let him have words to speak to our hearts, we pray. We thank you again, Lord, we just want to tell you how much we love you, how much we thank you for your blessings and grace to us, Lord, and how thankful we are to be together this morning and to be able to worship you, Lord. In your wonderful name, we ask all these things and pray. Amen.
1: Thank you, Brother Peter. You can have your seats. Uh, Sister Kristen Godwin has a special for us, and as she's making her way to the front, let's sing that little song together. Just hold that spirit of worship, I have a maker. Amen.
0: I have a maker He for my heart And before even time began My life was in His hands My name He knows My Every thought And He sees Each tear That falls And He hears me When I call I have a father And I have
1: so faithful to us amen my the goodness of god is just unfathomable amen let's stand to our feet I'd like to invite our deacons to come forward and we'll take up our morning offering amen I feel that everyone's heart and mind is prepared for the word amen hallelujah brother jeff if you would lead us in prayer sir Amen. As our pastor makes his way, let's sing the song, I Sing Praises to Your Name. Kyochi, I think.
0: I Sing Praises to Your Name. Oh Lord, praises to Your Name.
3: we thank you for this opportunity we have to be in your house today. Lord, we just give our hearts and our minds, everything we have, Lord, we give to you as an offering, Lord, as an offering of thanksgiving and an offering of praise. And we ask, Lord, that your your fire would just come and just consume those offerings, Lord. May you be pleased to dwell among us. Lord, we are a people of many needs and you know all about them, Lord, and I pray that you would touch each one, Lord, that needs a healing touch. Lord, that you would bring encouragement, you'd bring direction, and Lord, you'd light a fire under those that need to have a fire today. I pray, dear Father, that you would just move in a special way, Lord. Bless the young people that are at the camp this week, Lord, and we we know, Lord Jesus, that you're able to speak to young and old and I pray that you would take the ministry and just use their voices and, Lord, just deal with their hearts, we pray. We love you and we thank you, Lord, for all the good things you provide and the many blessings that we enjoy. And, Lord, we just give this time and this place, Lord, this uh, opportunity to you to be able to speak to us in a very personal moment, Lord. And this is the moment, Lord, that we've, we've come to this week. And I just pray that you would just take complete control. We give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. If you don't mind, let's sing that again. That just sounds so nice. One more time. We sing praises to your name. Hand near you. Thank you, and wish them God's best. And you may be seated this morning. Thank you, musicians. We'll let you take your places there. And welcome to the house of the Lord. Good to have Brother Andy back. Good to have all of you with us today, and our guests and friends and visitors, and everybody here uh, this week. God bless you. And uh, we are we have been blessed to have Sister Chichi Soriano with us over the last uh, couple of weeks, and. Uh, t- tomorrow morning, she's going to be flying up to Toledo and going to be traveling around the country, some different uh, friends and churches. And so, Sister Chichi, we're sure going to miss you. Uh, and may God bless you and your journey. Uh, Sister Danielle Swafford is not here today. She uh, went to Urgent Care this morning, and uh, she is not feeling well, so she's not with us today. And then, uh, I think Brother Jaron mentioned Sister Karen. Buchanan, and she had a stress test, nuclear stress test this week, and the dye that they injected really affected her, so she's not feeling well uh, this morning. So we want to remember her in prayer. I've asked you to remember Brother Tim Ashong uh, from Ghana, and uh, in prayer, he has been going through some medical issues uh, that are pretty serious, and uh, Lord willing, uh, he will be with us. Well, he'll be here in North Carolina Wednesday, next week, Wednesday, he'll be here and he'll be at, he'll be at Washington and then he'll be coming down, uh, to North Carolina after that. So we sure want to remember brother Tim traveling. He's got some, uh, medical concerns that he's going to have looked at when he's here. So we'd ask you to remember that in prayer. Um. Just very briefly here while everyone's here, I just wanted to give you this little caution. uh, And uh, I was reminded this morning that uh, when you come into church, especially on Sunday mornings, and you come into church, if everybody's out in the lobby talking, we can hear that in here. So we're going to ask you if you want to talk loudly or something you need to talk about, talk about it outside and then come on in, okay, because you can hear it in here. Uh, and it is not just re- uh, uh, confined to Sundays. Your voice carries on Wednesdays as well. And uh, so I was just asked to remind you of that uh, this, uh, this this morning, so if you could be just sensitive to that. All right, let's, uh, let's just give you a couple of announcements here, and i got a few that I want to give, so I'm going to give them kind of quickly here. Uh, birthdays and anniversaries, June 26th, and I apologize, Ava, I missed your birthday Ava's birthday was uh June 26th how old is was Ava on June 26th 12 she was 6 years old really okay god bless you Ava sorry i missed you June 29th with brother Caleb uh her birthday as well and uh he's out in Texas going to be coming back pretty soon July 1st uh RNA Cross and is Arne here this morning? Uh, not here this morning. Oh, he is here this morning. Arne, how old are you? Were you on your birthday? Fourteen. Fourteen. Wow, that's amazing. God bless you, Arne. And July first is uh, July third. That should be right. Anna Pritchard's birthday. Anna, God bless you. That's today, and it's also Peter's birthday today. God bless you both. We sure appreciate you both. July 6th is Daniel Swafford's birthday and Isaac Clayville's birthday. Where is Isaac Clayville? Isaac Clayville, how old are you going to be on your birthday? Six years old and happy to announce it too. July 7th is Haven's birthday. Haven, how old are you going to be on your birthday? Six years old. The good year six years ago. Better believe it. July 8th is our anniversary, uh, Sister Becky and I, and uh, we appreciate Sister Becky. And uh, Julian Ivy's birthday, and uh, Julian's not with us today, but we, uh, we wish him a happy birthday on July 8th. July 9th is Sister Sherry Holly's birthday, and uh, then also July 10th is Wakas Javed's birthday. Always remark Wakastia's birthday. We're going to have our uh, men's meeting registration open up very soon. We're working on the final touches now and uh, have that available. We are going to provide a link for uh, HBT fellows here. That will be open for a very short window, and we'll announce when it's going to happen. You need to jump in and do that, or you'll lose the open window and then we'll have uh, regular registration. So it's going to be a short uh spurt for registration this year and uh cuz we're running just a little bit later but uh we would uh ask you just to be mindful of that. And I'm going to send you out a letter that will uh, indicate when that's going to come open. Now <clears throat> uh as uh, many families uh, around this time of the year think about the upcoming year for schooling and educating uh been asked to share just a little bit uh Bible Academy Online Bible Way Academy Online, uh which is an online learning program and uh just wanted to introduce that to you, to some of you that maybe are not familiar with Bible Way and uh also uh encourage some of you that are uh in the still in the registration window and you're considering that uh this is a uh, school for grades uh 5 to 12 right 5 to 12 and it's a program taught by message teachers for message kids and uh, it's a unique opportunity and uh it has been growing and and uh, having wonderful success so there are uh there are Information tags right here that you're welcome to take a look at. We're going to put a uh, link on our website as well so that you can access that. And more information is available there. Also, you have Sister Becky uh, as well, who happens to be one of the teachers, one of the prettiest teachers, too, uh, in the school. And Sister Jenny Leonard. And uh, uh, you can certainly uh, check with Sister Becky. And it's really neat to have... Uh, some of the activities listed here. I've even got grandchildren in that picture, and uh, they had a wonderful year last year. Also this year, they're introducing Reading Circles, Circles, which is a new program for uh, kids grades 1 to 4. So that's available uh, for you to take a look at. And um, if you've got any questions, uh, certainly we can take care of those for you. Uh, this morning, if you were following news at all, there was an attack in uh, the city of Melitopol. And uh, this is, if you look at this map right here, this uh, southern port area, the Black Sea area, is the area that's being targeted by the Russian uh, military forces right now. And there was a, uh, an attack by the Ukrainians against one of the four uh, strategic uh, missile bases in Melitopol And there's been some severe fighting That's going on there We have been supporting a church That is in Melitopol They are uh, a wonderful But small little group of believers That are there They're still hunkered down there And I was trying to find This morning I was reaching out to the brothers And I missed one phone call from Ukraine uh, But I was trying to find out What their condition was But um, I will uh, give you an update I'll pass that along but you'll see on the news here in the next day or two the, uh, some of the fighting that's going on there. And also over in Odessa, and Odessa is on the left-hand side of the screen down here. I was there a couple of months ago, and um, they, it, it is a beautiful port city, and there's also a little group of believers that are there as well, and they're all younger people. I'd say the oldest person in that church is probably 30 years old. Uh, which is unusual, and uh, my last understanding is that they were still there in the city of, of Odessa. So uh, we'd ask you to remember those uh, folks in prayer as well. Now we have a little, uh, just a little clip that we're going to play for you, and this is uh, one of our uh, main brothers who helps distribute funds inside the country of Ukraine. This was recorded in Ukraine. And uh, he sent it to me this week, and I sent it out. Jeremy, go ahead whenever you're ready there. And uh, this is his comments on uh, some of the work that's going on there. And uh, uh, this brother is just a tireless worker, just a real man of God. And uh, Brother Kostya is very well known, very well respected.
4: Тим. Я занимаюсь э, рассылкой э, денег, э, финансовой помощи по Украине. И, в первую очередь хотел бы высказать э, от чистого сердца большую, очень большую, я даже скажу огромную благодарность за тот бесценный вклад в помощь очень-очень-очень э, многим. Там у нас, по-моему, список больше 100 с лишним человек на сегодняшний день и больше Миллиона гривен мы разослали братьям и сестрам по всей Украине помощь. Кому-то мы помогли. Это даже для многих был вопросом жизни и смерти, по-настоящему жизни и смерти. И приблизительно мы занимаемся этим около 100 дней. И я хотел бы такой как бы итог подвести стаднедневной, стаднедневной бесценной помощи, которая помогла очень многим очень много кто-то выехал из горячих точек где сегодня обстрелы идут где сегодня ракетные удары кому-то просто финансово помогли кто-то утратил работу и сегодня не имеет возможности э, суще... средств существования иметь потому что в украине очень мало мало людей кто сегодня может полноценно работать получать э, какую-то зарплату для того чтобы содержать свою семью а иногда семьи бывают большие кому-то помогли не просто а на продукты там потому что для многих это были какие-то болезни операции и в такое тяжелое время для украины когда не было возможности даже нигде взять это было неоценимое вот и я еще раз хочу повторить это была неоценимая помощь конечно в первую очередь мы благодарны нашему господу иисусу христу вот что он расположил ваши сердца для такой э, благов, э, благовременной, э, вовремя благовременной такой помощи, вовремя оказанной, и просто немногие. Я почему мало делаю видео, потому что большинство людей, э, это все, все такое более-менее активное население, которое дружит с техникой, там, с видеозаписями. Многие кто выехали, но большинство людей, которые остались здесь, это, это пожилые люди которые в принципе не могут ни видео записать, ни, ни, ни даже фотографии даже иногда сделать, а у многих даже кнопочные телефоны, которые даже нет такой возможности. Но я могу точно сказать, что каждому, кому мы помогли, это глубокая благодарность. Они молятся за вас, братья, они благодарят Господа за то, что вы это все им оказываете, помогаете, эти все финансы, они действительно были ну, большой помощью для этих людей. Поэтому я хочу передать вам, в первую очередь, огромный привет и поблагодарить всех вас, поблагодарить за ту жертвенность, потому что я знаю, что это тоже жертва для вас, потому что это вы что-то от себя отрываете для того, чтобы помочь тому, кто сегодня находится в нужде. И я действительно искренне хочу сказать большое спасибо всякому, кто участвовал. Не имеет значения, какие кто какие суммы давал там или это, но Даже маленькое участие в нуждах святых сегодня в Украине, это уже это уже огромное благословение, как для нас, так пусть оно будет и для вас благословение. Пусть Господь э, восполнит всякую вашу нужду. Поэтому передаю еще раз огромный всем привет. Благослови всех Господь. Вот. С Богом! He
3: is one of the two brothers who painstakingly calls and contacts every family they know in Ukraine one by one, <clears throat> making sure they have enough money for medicines, for food, for uh, necessary supplies. And, and they're talking uh, now, as I <clears throat> put out this week, that uh, the value of the Krivna, which is you've seen we've sent over a million Krivna into the country there, their currency is so devalued that uh, a month ago $100 uh, worth of their currency is now probably worth about $30 of their currency over there, and they still have uh, the same demands, and the prices are rising even more. So it's it's really a difficult situation. Uh, We're doing everything we can here in this assembly, and uh, I'm uh, putting in monies wherever I can get them uh, to send over to the people there because they really need them and uh trusting that uh you know that uh we're able to catch uh you know catch wind of what these needs are and the medical needs that they have i have pictures of people who have cancer who were taking treatments who are not able to take treatments now because many hospitals are completely diverted to uh wound care and uh battlefield care and uh it's just really sad uh you know to see the situation over there and uh Those uh, those people are very precious people, and like he said, the entire just about the entire younger generation of Ukraine Ukrainians have left and uh, left the country. So there are old people there. Many of them are hunkered down. They're old Russian thinking people, meaning that they they they're not going to divulge their locations. They're not going to send you their picture. They're not going to give you their name and address because they're raised in a Russian culture. And in the Russian culture, you didn't do that because you'd probably be arrested if you gave away too much information. So, uh, they're hard to reach and they're, they're hard to get to. And they have the little push button phones, you know, where they, uh, where you have to do lots of work to get a few words out. And, uh, the communications are, uh, pretty difficult there anyway. Have I made it dark enough? Uh, and I don't mean to make light of that. Their, their situation is not good. And, uh, uh, you know, I just uh, trust that. Uh, you know, I, I want to say that I appreciate everything that you folks have given, uh, because it gets shuttled over there immediately. And then, uh, if, if you don't mind continuing to pray that, uh, you know, we would be able to minister to those people over there, and pray that God would bring a uh, some sort of a peaceful resolution to that situation over there before it gets worse. I mentioned uh, birthdays today, but I failed to mention that this is Ruby. Pew's birthday as well, right? Today, July 3rd. How old is Ruby? Six years old. <laughs> Who would have guessed? Happy birthday, Ruby. Hope you have a wonderful day. All right, let's just jump in this morning here. And I'm usually not a theme person, but uh, this is uh, our July 4th weekend. It's our largest. Uh, one of our largest holidays in the year, and rightly so because we should mark the day that we uh, achieved our independence. At least it's it's honored on this day. And uh, so I wanted to uh, take a strange title, Beginning This World Over Again, and uh, read a scripture with you in Revelation chapter 3. So if you don't mind, we just change our position, stand and, and read this morning. Revelation chapter 3. This is the familiar passage that opens up the message to Laodicea, which we're living in the last portion of. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write... These things say at the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. It's interesting that this phrase occurs at the last of the messages to the church ages. 15, and I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I would that thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see, and as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent." Lord Jesus, we ask your anointing to be poured out upon this word today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Beginning this world over again. Now, I'd like to begin uh, this this morning here and uh, give you just a little introduction. We're going to divert uh, over to something else, and then we're going to come back to this idea again here of beginning this world over again. And so I want you to stay with me as we as we do this, all right? I've got some interesting uh, slides here and uh, just a little bit of history, which I think is good for us to uh, recall, because if we don't remember our history, we are doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. So it's good for us to learn from our history. Uh, this is a photograph here. Uh, a couple of years ago, Lucas and I had the privilege to go to Philadelphia, and uh, one of the things we did there was to visit the Constitution Memorial, which was very interesting and uh, I, I think certainly worth uh, a visit for anybody who gets a chance to go there. Uh, it's a huge uh, building that's dedicated to the Constitution itself they also have the uh the original liberty bell there and uh, we got to see that and then we got to go into the hall uh where the constitution was actually signed and there was lots and lots of history uh that we learned while we were there this is a drawing of that particular uh era area where franklin adams and jefferson were discussing the uh declaration of independence Madison was involved primarily in the writing of the Constitution, but uh, these gentlemen, and especially Jefferson, were involved in the writing of the uh, Declaration. And so it was an important, uh, important time in, in America's history. But one of the unsung heroes, or one of the unsung p- persons of uh, that particular time, this, this actually occurred, as you know, in July of 1776, and uh, they actually had to wait, for those of you that are fine-tuners, uh, they had to wait until uh, the document was ratified in New York State before they actually all signed the document of the Declaration of Independence. So that took place later in September. But in January of 1776, there was another document that came out Uh, by a man who was less well-known. But it was largely influential in our country. And in a nation of about 3 million people, his document became what is now known to be as viral. Uh, There was uh, 500,000 copies of his uh, booklet that was produced, and it was only 47 pages long, but it took the country by storm. It was a document that uh, ignited uh, the thinking of the American people and uh, helped channel them in a certain direction. You're probably all wondering what that was. I don't know if anybody would want to guess what it was, but it was simply called Common Sense by Thomas Paine. Now, I don't know if you've ever read it. It's written in the language of the early Americans, and so it's not uh, always an easy thing to uh, to digest, but I wanted to just review a couple of quick points from Common Sense today, and then I want to talk a little bit about Common Sense. Uh, this book, as I said, became viral in early America, and it was a very, very intro- influential piece uh, back in that day. And there were two qualities about it that I wanted to highlight first of all, and that is this, that... Uh, In the book, it was a scathing argument against the injustice of rule by a king. Paine never figured out at all why we were living under the rule of of a, a monarch in another country with no representation. He said it was absolutely unnecessary, and he was quite vocal against that. But the second thing is what I wanted to talk about today, and the second thing is uh, could be summarized this way, I guess. But uh, it, it, and this is the uh, quotation here that I took, but also not a quotation, but a, a comment on the book. It says an equally er- eloquent argument was also made that Americans had a unique opportunity to change the course of history by creating a new set of new sort of government in which people were free and had the power to rule themselves. And this is what Paine uh, actually promoted here, that we did not need to be under a reigning monarch, uh, especially a monarch in another country who granted us no representation. But secondly, he said, you are at the doorstep of something great. You you have the possibility of creating something unique in the world. And uh, he went on to describe that a little bit. So here are the four points that I wanted to leave you with. Now, again, I'm going to drop these here, and then we're going to go on to something else. We're going to talk a little bit about common sense, and then we're going to come back to common sense uh, just a little bit later. Government's purpose, number one. This, this is a, the the summary of the points made by Uh, Thomas Paine. Government's purpose was to serve the people. Now you have to remember back in that day, prior to this time, every other, uh, every other people essentially served the government. They were people who supplied labor and revenue and, uh, goods and services to the local government and that's the, that was the prevailing mindset that that's, that's what government was there. They were the, uh, they were the, the leaders. They were the people who were to be served. And Payne's idea was that government rather should serve the people. It should be of the people, by the people, for the people. That's where all of that language came. And he described government as a necessary evil which existed to give people a structure so they could work together to solve problems and prosper. So there'd be law and order, and there would be uh, you know, municipalities that would be run in a decent way and so forth, in a fair way, fair courts and all the rest of it. But basically that uh, the government should indeed serve the people. Secondly, he said that having a king was a bad idea. Most people could not understand the British uh, Constitution. It was very complex. Uh, you had to be a, a long-standing position, uh, politician or an attorney to try to figure out what the British Constitution actually said, and uh, he ridiculed the idea of having a monarchy and a monarchy that uh, felt like they were divinely appointed. Number one, and then two, ran their uh, ran their affairs uh, where uh, other. Uh, places like America were vassal states. In other words, they were uh, meant just to s- uh, send money and gold and goods and uh, crops and so forth across the ocean back to keep uh, England going. And every the whole idea was about serving England. All right? I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me here in the little history lesson. Payne envisioned that the new nation of America would actually have a strong central government with a constitution that protected individual rights and especially and including freedom of religion. So he was one of the first proponents of the separation of church and state, which interestingly enough now is actually eroding a little bit. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, that's a different that's a different talk. Uh, but he advocated the whole idea of having a right kind of a constitution, a unique one, which gave people individual rights and they were able to pursue uh, justice and liberty for all and also strongly included freedom of religion. And the fourth thing, and this is the thing that we want to talk about this morning, is that America had a rare opportunity to create a new nation based on self-rule. As Payne saw it, both Americans and British knew that it was inevitable that the colonies would break free. Everybody knew that, and that was the conversation in every uh, in every restaurant and every way stop in the country. Uh, people talked about, you know, uh, what would it be like if we were not a part of Britain, and we, you know, should we actually separate? Just as important, individual colonies had the potential to put aside differences and form a powerful nation, but they needed to do it quickly before the population grew to a point where new divisions might develop. And the moment in history was that particular time, which never happens to a nation but once, he wrote. And so this is what he said, and this is where I got my title today, that we have every opportunity and every encouragement before us to form the noblest purest constitution on the face of the earth. And we have it in our power to begin the world over again. He said this is a unique opportunity for Americans, he said, to be able to begin again and to form a democracy, to form a nation that would be uh, inclusive of all the right things and the good things. And if we did that, he said we could begin the world over again and it would be a unique experiment uh, in democracy with a constitution that protected everybody's rights and gave them freedom of religion. They could worship the way they wanted to. They would not be enslaved to a foreign monarch. And you know what? It would be almost like heaven on earth. And that's what he that's what he promoted in this little forty nine page forty seven page booklet, and it went viral. It took the nation by storm. Everybody read it. People had it read to them. Uh, it was something that was extremely popular uh, during that time. Now, uh, the, uh, the this this statement here, I want to come back to uh, in a little bit. But if you don't mind, since we're here talking about common sense. I thought it might be nice to just dwell on this subject of common sense for a few minutes, all right? Now, this is not in definition or in connection with Payne's writing. This is more what Brother Branham taught us about common sense, all right? So I'm borrowing the phrase, if you like, and I'm just, I want to introduce a few things here that are relative to common sense. Now, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7... In verse 23, all this I have, says Solomon, by wisdom, all this I have, all this have I provided, sorry. Solomon writes, all this have I proved by wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. Solomon wanted to have that knowledge and that, that wisdom, but he said it was far from me. That which is far off and exceeding deep, who can find it out? I applied my heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness and madness. And he goes on and he, and he talks about this whole idea of the pursuit of wisdom and he said, it's really not within my own power to, pers- to, to obtain this. Uh, I can gain knowledge, and I can gain facts, and I can understand principles. But he said, really, to gain the wisdom of God, that has to come from God himself. And so, therefore, I cannot really gain this myself. If we if we are going to be wise, it's because God gives us wisdom. And uh, I really like this, and I think it's a nice bridge uh, for us here this morning, because uh, the the wisdom, hey, we can borrow the knowledge of any human being. We can listen to what somebody else knows and we can, uh, we can assume that. We can accumulate that and we can uh, use that in our lives. But I can't get wisdom from you. I can't uh, take your wisdom and possess it myself. I believe that when a person is wise, it is because uh, God has allowed them to experience things, and God has allowed them to know things, and God has allowed those things to become a part of him. So I can hear about somebody else's wisdom, and I can hear about somebody else's understanding of things. But in order for me to have that, uh, I, 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 we, we have to be blessed by God. Now, Brother Manum describes very clearly how America in its early days, he said when we were young, he said we were teachable. Uh, when we were young, we were open to, uh, to doing the right things. He said we, uh, he said at the uh, Constitutional Congress uh, in Philadelphia, he said they had an empty chair. Custom says that they had an empty chair there, and that was the place for God uh, when they had their deliberations. And they wanted to include God in everything they did. Now we find ourselves at the other end of the spectrum where, uh, they're trying to get God out of things as much as possible, uh, in our culture. And what a shame that is. And that's the place that we've come to. But let me come to that in just a little bit. Here's Brother Branham, though. He says that, uh, you know, you have to, you have to kind of stop and stand back and appreciate Brother Branham, uh, for, for what he was and how God used a person like that, uh, to bring such a critical and important message to us in the last days. How many believe that God used him to bring a critical and important message in the last days? And God used a person who was not, uh, he was not polished and he was not intellectual. Uh, he was not, uh, you know, administrative in his way, but uh, he certainly was simple and he appreciated common sense. He appreciated uh, hard work. He appreciated uh, things that were uh, of sound value in his life. And uh, he had learned many things and many things that he had learned, he learned the hard way. And uh, God used a person like that to kind of, uh, in, in a sense, now, even now, to get in our faces and say that, uh, you know, just because we are wealthier and just because we have constant air conditioning and no power interruptions and we have the Internet and we have all kinds of resources for information and lots of money uh, in our time doesn't mean that you have any less dependency on God. And it doesn't mean that you you find all the answers on Google, because even you people that went to Google after Wednesday night and tried to find out where Tishba was realize that everything is not on Google. Jeremy Clavel came closest, by the way. But nonetheless, uh, all the answers that we need in life are not found on Google. How many would say amen? If you're not here on Wednesday night now, some of you are going to go back and listen to the sermon, right? It was one of the best young people's sermons I've ever preached, brother Branham, Brother Branham, I believe, was used of God in, in, a, in a really good way to get in our faces and remind us of some of the more sensible things in life and the benefits of thinking clearly about our time and thinking contrary uh, to the uh, to the accepted way. Now, Brother Branham was not a rebel, I, and I, I don't find that anywhere in Brother Branham's ministry that uh, he told us we should be out on the street with placards and protesting this and that. Brother Branham was not a rebel. Brother Branham was a man of common sense. Brother Branham was a man of understanding, and I believe that he had great wisdom in his simplicity. And I believe that a lot of those things have been passed on to us. And so, you have—you—it it, it is certainly true that. Uh, being here and being on the internet, there, there are ways for us to stir up trouble against this church if we wanted to, uh, just by repeating things and, uh, you know, being very bold in our presentation of things. And I have no, I have no desire to create more trouble for us than what we already have. Uh, I don't, I don't intend, I don't, uh, I don't enjoy trying to make our church a target for anything at all. Uh, absolutely not. But I, I, and I believe that Christians always should use wisdom and common sense in how we conduct ourselves. Not only in how we conduct our lives, but in how we run our service and how we conduct our church here as well. How many would agree? But let's just look at a couple of things here that Brother Branham gave to us. And, and this is not certainly the entire list, but let's look at a couple of things here that, that he mentions. In the message called Life, Brother Branham said, now the Christian church should have real character then. And if the life of Christ is in the church of Christ, then it's got to have the character of Christ. It'll produce the life of Christ. Let me say that again because that's a really important statement. If the life of Christ is in the church of Christ, then it's got to have the character of Christ. If his life is in me, then there would be character displayed in me. Isn't that right? It'll produce the life of Christ. It will produce the life of Christ. It's just no more than what we call in the South, common sense. And if the life of the Spirit of Christ is in the church, it has to produce that life because the life that's in you makes your character. So there are certain things that the Spirit of Christ will display that are just sensible. They're sensible in the eyes of God and are sensible uh, in the eyes of people who think straight. And uh, it, 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 these are things that uh, Brother Branham, uh refers to here. Let's look at a couple of things here. For instance, Brother Branham says in uh, the Church Age book on page 26, the prevailing overcoming church is built on revelation, so we can expect God to reveal his truth to us. However, you actually don't need a revelation on water baptism. It's right there staring you in the face. How many would agree? The disciples, they knew what the name was. There's not one place in Scripture where they baptized or did anything else in any other way other than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Common sense would tell you that the book of Acts is the church in action. If they baptized that way, then that is the way to baptize. Thank God for common sense, because when a prophet came in this last day, he brought us back to the book of Acts again. He brought us back to that way of thinking that uh, this is the only way that things were done in, in the scripture, in the early church. And so therefore, uh, God hasn't changed that. Men have changed that. So let's go back to the way that God established it in the first place. That's, that's scriptural common sense, if you like. That's that's the way that God thought about it. That's the way that God set it in motion. That's what God, uh, you know, was pleased with. And so therefore, Brother Branham said, you know, let's go back to that. It was not his decision. I believe he was a restorer. Elijah has a spirit of restoration upon him, right? To bring back. Just like Elijah restored the altar back in the days of the prophets of Baal. Brother Branham came along and restored us back to the original word. And Brother Bram's talking about common sense, he said, would tell you that's the way that God initiated in the first place, and that's the way it's pleasing to God. Again, in communion, Brother Bram said, I believe that we have seen enough in our day that we live in that we ought to really give all of our being to God. We've seen enough in our day. We've seen enough of the supernatural in our day that we live in that we ought to really give all of our being to God. Uh, listen, folks, uh, you, you people have been around the message a long time. Or let's say it this way. You and I have been out of the barnyard for a while. Right? We pecked around in the barnyard for a good while. But by God's grace, he has allowed us to come out of the barnyard now for a good while. And uh, you're still around. That means that there's something holding you, number one. But there's also something, too, that you recognize that is very true about this message and very right. And even if, even if, uh, let me say it this way, even if I was not a member of the bride of Christ, I would rather live by the principles of this message than any other way I know. I've lived, I've lived on the other side. I've lived the other way. I've lived where there's alcohol and smoking and drugs and all the other things and, uh, you know, been in that environment every day and, uh, you know, uh, been in an environment where nobody prayed and nobody paused to thank God and uh, nobody acknowledged God. I've lived in that kind of an environment and I've seen what, what comes of that. I'll tell you what, I, having lived in both worlds, I'd rather live this way than any other way I know. Even if I was not a member of the bride, I'd rather live this way because it makes sense and it is, it is, uh, more in harmony with the way God intended families to live in the, in the first place. And I think that that's important and something that, uh, people have lost sight of. And so Brother Manum says, we've seen enough in our day. We've seen enough, uh, we've seen enough supernatural. We've seen enough miracles. We have seen enough, uh, of, uh, you know, the exploits of God. We've seen enough of the message. We've heard enough of the message that we should really give all of our being to God. Hey, you gotta give your time to work. You gotta give your, your time to your boss. You gotta give your, uh, you gotta put your energy, you gotta put a certain amount of energy into that. You gotta give your kids to education so they can make a living in this world. You have to, uh, you know, comply with certain laws and standards and things that are in our world, uh, you know, that are required of us, you know, making sure your kids get an education and, uh, medical care and all the rest of it. All of those things we have to do. But that's not where our heart lays, right? Come on, folks, that's not where our heart is. Our heart, our heart is, is in, uh, it, 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 we, are, we are totally uh, consumed by being in the presence of God. We love to be in the presence of God. We love to hear from God. Isn't that right? That's the primary thing in our lives. We want to know that we are walking in the will of God. We want to know that we are centered on God's program and that we are right where God wants us to be. Those are the things that are really exciting to us. And Brother Branham said that, uh, you know, we've seen enough in our day. We, in other words, we've been convinced enough. we got enough evidence that we should really be giving our hearts to God. And that is primary. He says, we're not blind. We've arrived. We know we're living in the end time. We know that Israel is next to receive the light of the hour. Those things are all pretty evident to us. And we can look around and see the way that the human mind is leaving the people. Wow! If, uh, I mean, that's that's an obvious thing. That is a thing that uh, is certainly again self-evident in our time, and we don't need to have a whole lot of uh, you know uh, pictures on the board here to demonstrate that and uh, to show how how things have become so uh, crazy in our time. I, I, I'll just say, I'll just go at it from this perspective and say this: I, I believe that no matter how crazy things get, God loves people that are intentional when it comes to His Word. I think that in a lot of ways we have been backed into a corner by uh, people who have threatened us, uh, you know, with the idea of you better not say anything about this, you better not say anything about that, and you better be careful about this, and, and you know, in the workplace. And I understand that there are sensitivities uh, out there. And I, again, I'm not trying to put anybody, uh, stimulate anybody, to wind up in jail tomorrow uh, after this service is over. But I would just say this: uh, that I believe that if there is ever uh, if there is ever a time when we should be impressing upon our children and our families that there is a God and the Bible is still true and God sent a message and that message is still right and accurate, it's right now. And to let our children know that they are born into families that have been exposed to the message of the hour. And they have a unique opportunity to enter into the presence of God in a unique way that God has singled them out of all the families of the earth. And uh, you kids ought to not take for granted the fact that you're here in this assembly and you're exposed to the preaching of the message of the hour every single service. And that it helps you to understand that there is a standard raised by God, and that standard is not a bad standard. And that standard is worth living for, and that standard is worth acknowledging, and that standard is actually worth taking home and applying in our house, by which we call the token of the hour. Isn't that right? because if you don't give your children a good understanding and a definition of who they are as as Christians as well as uh, true Americans i believe that someone else will come along and give them an understanding of what they could be or what they are i was just absolutely broken hearted i've been i've been this way since wednesday after uh, i met one of the, uh, one of the folks here one of our church members here and a coffee shop here in town and I was, I was, uh, uh, there waiting for this brother to come and we had a real nice fellowship and it was really, really nice, uh, in the hour or so that we had to talk and it was, and it was really, uh, you know, time well spent. But in the, when I got there, I got there a little bit early and I was just having a coffee and I was working on the sermon for Wednesday night and I was just typing away and looking at things and right in front of me there was two young men that were there and, uh, it just broke my heart to see them interacting uh, with one another and the way they conducted themselves. They were clearly homosexual uh, young boys and they were, I mean, they were not, I would say, probably graduated out of high school, maybe so. And one of those boys got up and he went and left eventually and walked out and he had, uh, you know, his hair all done up in a certain way and he was trying with all of his heart to impress everyone that he was way more girl than boy had a Dooney and Burke purse that most women would die for and uh, carrying it on his arm and walking out. It was absolutely heartbreaking to see the way that he, uh, you know, he was conducting himself. And I, I, I want to say this. I, I, I'm not here this morning to condemn the guy, the man, but I thought, you know, some way or another, somebody's got, got, uh, you know, a message to him that you're not really what God made you. You are something else. And I will tell you that in, in my own, uh, and I, I just want to be as honest with you as I can this morning, I, I believe that if ever there was a, a demon out of the pit of hell, it has to be that, that, uh, you know, would, would cause a person to turn away from what God naturally made them and make them actually believe in deception that they're not that at all, but they're something else and what a tragedy that is that that young boys and girls don't know who they are and they don't know what they're supposed to be and they uh, the whole idea of family and their their identity and their gender the whole the whole meaning of those words is all skewed for them and uh, you know it just to me it would just be a real birth a real experience with god that would have to come and just to turn that person around and bring them back to their right mind again Satan's done a good job at having free reign and intimidating everybody not to say anything because we're all afraid of, you know, sensitivities everywhere. I'll tell you what, I believe in the church of the living God. We should not be afraid. We should not back up on what we know is true and right and what we know is a standard and what we know is even common sense. Because the prophet said the human mind is leaving the people and we're living in a time when the evidence of that is obvious right before us. And Satan is going overboard in in terms of, uh, you know, turning back, uh, you know, t- turning people's minds in a certain way and confusing their identity. Let me tell you, I don't believe that your identity is an optional thing. I was born a coffee and that was not optional. My parents, I didn't get to vote on that. That was not an option. I believe that I was born in a certain way, but into a certain family. And I believe that identity as a coffee was bestowed upon me. But I'd like to go another uh, another foot or so with that and say that uh, when a person is born again, they also then, if we read what we just read and believe that is true, that if the Spirit of Christ is in the church and is going to have the nature of Christ, it's going to display the character of Christ. That when you're born again, there's another nature that goes on display. Your identity is given to you. It's not learned and it's not created by, uh, you know, a good pastor and his teaching, I believe that when a person's born again, they have an identity that begins to express itself because it's a result of seed that comes to life. Are you following me? And I believe this with all my heart as well, that I think fathers and families are key and cannot abnegate Uh, Their responsibility when over 60% of children in our country today are being raised without a father. Over 60% of children are being raised today without a father uh, in, their, in their household. Uh, their whole idea of a loving Heavenly Father, their whole idea of Father God, uh, their whole idea of Jehovah is skewed because they grow up never knowing really what our, uh, a real true father is. And I say this, there's not really a whole lot I can do about society out there. There's not really a whole lot I can do about the laws that are made to protect Sodom and Gomorrah out there. There's not really a whole lot I can do and there's not really a whole lot I intend to do about that at all. But I will say this, that as for me and my house, this one right here, I believe that we should instruct men to be men of God. I believe that we should, uh, you know, encourage you men to raise your sons as sons of God, to become men of God, to become fathers in their household so that they can say, not only you, but they can say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And to teach them that the Bible is right, and the message is right, and the message is no mistake by God. It's not some sort of a fluke that happened in the last day. God intended for a man like Brother Branham to come and to give us this message, so that we could stand and 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 make the, uh, you know, make the uh, the the application of the word our life. That's what our life really is: is the application of the word for this day. We're not to go and uh, go to a bookstore and try to find out a good pattern for living. God has given us a standard of living in our time. And it's for us to take it home and live it. And I believe it begins with men. I believe it uh, begins with real godly husbands. And I believe that we should have whatever we need to have in order to encourage men to be real men of God, whether it's a men's meeting, whether it's a breakfast, whether it's, you know, services and uh, talking about things like that. Hey, we're not going to get it in the world. We're not going to get it anywhere else. I believe that churches today should be a place where the light goes out in a very dark world and Satan's very very good at causing even the human mind to leave the people so they cannot even tell what is light and darkness. They cannot tell what is light. They cannot tell what is black. They cannot discern where things are coming from. And you and I have enough, well, like Brother Manum said, we've seen enough in our day to know uh, that, that there are things that are manifesting on the earth today that came straight from, absolutely straight from the bosom of Satan himself and came from the pits of hell. And I believe that we should make our stand against it. I believe we should have the courage to preach against it. Because we think, well, you know, we're in a message church and we're okay. We're not okay. We're not okay. And most of the churches that I talk to are saying the same thing. That the spirit of Antichrist is not only expressing itself from Rome, but the Antichrist, I believe, is at work even among message churches. Because it is a spirit that disrupts. It is a spirit that brings disunity. It is a spirit that brings people to a place where they feel like their differences are irreconcilable. It's a spirit that causes people to lose confidence in the Word of God. And it is definitely a spirit that causes people to lose confidence in the ministry. And as a result of that, Satan works internally and Satan works externally to try to do whatever he can to discourage the people of God. Hey, listen, if you're looking for a perfect church, you're going to have quite a search ahead of you. Because I, uh, in my understanding of things, there are not too many perfect churches that are left. And it is that way because we're in them. All right, Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah encourages us. He says, wash you and make you clean and put away the evil of your doings before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. You'll never put away what you can't identify as evil. You've got to be able to identify it as evil before you put it away. And the normalization of perversion today causes us to be soft on what we put away. Right? And you know that normalization is going on. And Satan has got us, you know, kind of weaned over onto things that are less acceptable now because they don't grieve us near as much as what they used to. When we first saw things, when we first heard of things, we were pretty grieved at that. And then over time, unless we act on it, we become less grieved. And as a result, we're more tolerant in the wrong way of things that we should have acted on maybe in the first. Can I go a little further? He says, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed. And judge the fatherless, plead for the widow, and come now and let us reason together," saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow; and though they be red like crimson, they shall be wool. In other words, God, Isaiah's making sure that we understand that God has a way, and God has made a way for us. But God has a way, and we are to seek the judgment and the, and the righteous, uh, the righteous conduct uh, of the people of God. And this is what he's, uh, this is what he's encouraging us to do—to learn to do well to seek judgment and to relieve the oppressed and to do those things that are in a sense common sense now let's go a little bit further here brother manham says in the cod book he said this world is contaminated and there's no hope for it at all they have crossed the dividing line between reason and common sense let alone between salvation and man can't even judge we don't have men no more like we used to have and where is patrick henry and where is Abraham Lincoln? These men were not educated. These men were not intellectual. These men were not administrative. These men were essentially, they were people who came from the country and they came from, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the simple way of life. Uh, hey, if, if we could go back to a simple way of life, we, uh, I know most of us probably would and we're not trying to be pioneers and, and go back and live in the woods here. That's not what I'm talking about. But these are men who were who were raised by parents who had clear values. And they understood the integrity of hard work. And they understood the integrity uh, that comes with being honest. And they understood they understood real convictions. They were God fearing people and they instilled it in their children. And they were not afraid to instill it in their children. They were not afraid to bring discipline where discipline was needed. They were not afraid to stop what they were doing and help their neighbor when their neighbor was in need. They were not afraid to be able to tell the truth and tell it like it was. They were not afraid to stand and defend what was rightfully theirs. They were not afraid to, uh, you know, to stand with their convictions. And here's Brother Branham, and he's asking, where's the, where's our Patrick Henry's today? And where's our, where's our Abraham Lincoln's? And I, you know, I wonder this this message is not really for the for the world out there. They've pretty much turned their back on it. I mean, it could be, but they've turned their back on it. So let me ask the question here: Where are the Abraham Lincolns here? Where are the where are the young people uh, here today that are willing to stand for conviction and and learn what's right and learn common sense? Let's go back here, which the Bible tells us: Learn to do well and seek judgment. Where are our young people today to show up for Sunday school? Good question. Where are young people today that, you know, they, they want to learn, they want to grow, they want to uh, they want to serve God with all their heart. Where are those people? This is what this is what I, I, Isaiah tells us, learn to do well. You will not learn to do well on the Internet. You'll learn things, but I don't believe you'll learn everything God wants you to know on the Internet. And Brother Branham says, now we've come to the place where we've crossed the dividing line between reason and common sense. Let alone between salvation. And men, he says, can't even judge. In order to make a proper judgment about anything, you have to know both sides, right? You have to be able to compare something, and you got to know. And uh, he says, hey, uh, we don't have any more like like we used to have. We're Patrick Henry, and, and people who stood for those principles and stood for those things that were right. And he says, where is your reasons, and where's what's common sense? He said, if she puts herself out there, uh, her go out like a dog, he says, and if she's going no more to common decency for her than that, he said, where's the laws that could stop that? But instead, isn't it true that we have the opposite today? Right? We have the opposite, where laws are made to protect the immorality of the times. And people are cautioned to say nothing about the immorality of the times. Am I making you all nervous? And now we have in our nation here, and I'm not going to dwell on this, I just have two screens here. But Brother Branham, he makes a statement here in relation to abortion. He said, bottom line, it is as bad as it was in Egypt or worse when they took the babies and threw them in the river. And this is 1956 now when he says that. And as I said to you last Sunday, we're 63 million abortions later uh, in our time since the passing of Roe Ro versus Wade, which is before Brother Branham's time. Sorry, which was after Brother Bram's time. But he's making these statements here that we're moving into that. We're coming into that time here where he says when, when the real definition of what motherhood is is lost. And you know what? The real definition of motherhood is lost when mothers don't teach their younger daughters what real motherhood is. And it's not read out of a book. As a matter of fact, one of our granddaughters asked asked Sister Becky about what, uh, what, what does it mean to be a real mother. And she went on a personal hunt to try to find a book out there that defined motherhood, that defined what a mother is, and could not find them, and is intent on writing one. Because there's not hardly any good definition out there of what a real mother is, because it's changing as fast as people change their socks. Right? There's all kinds of... I mean, you, people are even afraid to write what motherhood used to be. Write about what motherhood used to be. And Brother Banham says in 1956, before Roe versus Wade, he said, it's as bad as it was in Egypt or worse Uh, during that time then he says in uh, thirsting for life in 1957 not long ago in switzerland some lady a christian woman said to me brother Branham, i'd like to go over to america i hear the ladies have big sway there and in the conversation he says you know they they have they they do whatever they want they have a gay lifestyle you know and they do whatever they want and i said but he said here's what follows here's what follows that when you have that kind of a lifestyle And you may look at the headlines, and you may look at things, and this is what it looks like. But he said, it causes prostitution. And he said, right here in Chicago, he said, according to your paper, you have 2,000 abortion cases every day. 2,000 innocent babies die every day because of filth. And how can you have a revival under then kind of a circumstances? Huh. I hope you're kind of making a connection here that, you know, there's a lot of people that, that will justify... They will justify certain things and then they'll turn around and say to God, why aren't you doing anything? Why aren't you answering our prayers? Why aren't you defeating our enemies that come against our nation here? And why aren't you doing this and that? But people want to live their lifestyle, right? They want to have their way. They want to do what they want. And, and they want to, uh, you know, they want to tolerate all kinds of things over here. And then turn around and blame God because he's not doing what they want him to do in times of emergency, in times of stress. And he says, you know, uh, revival as we know it comes in the presence of God. Revival comes because of a thirsting and a cry from the people, right? Revival comes from a thirsting and a cry from the people that they want to have, uh, you know, a time with God. They want to have the presence of God in a greater way. They want to get back and reconnect with God. Hey, revival's not gone out of out of uh, uh, out of vogue here, folks. I, I believe that revival is still a good thing. Whether it's a personal revival or a church revival or a bride revival, I don't care what you call it, but I believe that revival comes not because God's got a time clock and say, hey, it's fall, you know what, time for revival. I believe it comes because people hunger and thirst after righteousness and they pray and they seek God and they want to have that personal communion with God. They want to come and say, you know what, whether I'm tired or not, I'm going to go to church. And whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to go to church. And whatever God has revealed to me, I'm going to practice that. I'm going to put that in place. And whatever God has shown me, either through the pastor or through the reading of the Bible or whatever else, or listening to tapes. Anybody listen to tapes anymore? Uh, No matter how it comes, folks, I think that there's something inside of us that says, wow, if God can bless me with that, I believe that God can bless us with more. And there's a greater need now than there ever was. How many would agree? There's a greater need now for dedication than what there ever was. There's a greater need now for commitment than what there ever was. I believe there's a greater need now for soberness than what there ever has been in our time. And I just have to wonder what Brother Branham would say if he came back today. Ah, well, anyway, he'll come back. He won't come back and fly around in a plane. He won't come back and set up a tent, but he'll be back. He'll be back in the resurrection. Do you believe that? In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. But keep thyself pure. Somebody ought to say amen. Keep thyself pure. Keep thyself pure. There's a lot of impure things out there, right? He says keep thyself pure. You've got to work at keeping yourself pure. you gotta, you got to draw a line. You've got to be intentional if you're going to keep yourself pure. You got to ward off thoughts. You got to ward off websites. You got to ward off uh, interactions. Uh, a lot of times out there, you got to stay away from certain kinds of music and certain kinds of friends and everything else you, in order to stay pure. You got to work at it. Today, and back in back in my mother's day, purity was a, something that was a little simpler than what it is today. You got to work at being pure. And then he says, "Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities." <laughs> Wow, I've heard lots of people quote that to me in always the wrong way. If you travel in the Middle East at all, though, you know that water very often is a problem. And most diseases today, if you travel in Africa, most diseases are are, are caused by water. And even when uh, we Americans send over our expired medicine over to Africa, they wind up taking that medicine to kill the worms with the water that caused the worms in the first place and it's a never-ending cycle it's a very difficult thing and water very often made lots of people sick over there wine was much more common and it was considered more pure because it was fermented and uh you know bre- uh, brewed or made in a certain way and, uh so it was a little safer uh you know to do that and that's why Paul mentions that back that, that day because it was more medicinal it was more of a remedy back in that time but hey today i got news for you we got tums and we got roll aids right we got lots of other options because once you get into that little wine, uh, you know, little might mean one thing to you and it might mean little, little might mean something else to somebody else over here. We had to be very careful with things like that because people are quick to interpret. Common sense would tell you, drinking wine is probably not a good solution in our day. How many would agree? Most of you would. Romans chapter 8. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace. In other words, whatever we pursue, we're going to find out if that's pleasing to God. Whatever we pursue, we're going to find out whether that's complementary with Scripture or not. Common sense would tell you it's not for you to interpret God's Word. Common sense would tell you it's better to obey God's Word and suffer the consequences than it is to walk in disobedience to God's Word. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. He doesn't say it's at enmity against God. He said it is enmity against God. And for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. I tell you what, whether you're young or old or teen or much older than that, I believe it's always better, like he says right here, to be subject to the law of God. Because there never comes a time in your life when the law does not apply, when the word does not apply you don't become exempt from the Word of God and its requirements because of your age or your seniority or who your father or mother is. Right? So therefore, Paul is putting us in mind that a carnal mind is enmity against God and is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So therefore, when something is explained from the basis of the Word of God whether it's relationships with young people and the standards that are therein that are found in the Word of God, I believe they should be adhered to, no matter who you are, no matter what circumstance. And I believe that whether you're old and uh, living life and caring for your spouse and uh, all the other commitments that we have in life, whether it's your finances and all the other things in life, I believe that we should be mindful of the law of God and submit ourselves to it because we don't want to conduct ourselves in any way contrary to the law of God. I know I'm being horribly simple this morning, but bear with me if you don't mind. Common sense would tell you that you should not incline your heart to any evil thing, and unfortunately, living in Satan's Eden, there are all kinds of ways to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity. There's all kinds of ways, but we are not to incline our heart to that. And this is this is uh, you know David's way of saying that you can just lean in a little bit, you can just tip a little bit. To an evil thing, and that's where the trouble begins. Is just when we incline our heart. Incline means like you know, like uh, David often prayed and said, "Lord, incline your ear to my prayer; hear my prayer, O Lord." And incline means this. It doesn't mean that the whole person sits on your lap. It just means that this is an idea that I'm paying attention to this. I'm giving in to this right here. And David is saying you should not incline your 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 heart to any evil thing at all to lean in, to want to be involved in more of that or to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity and let me not eat of their dainties. That's what David says. Oh, like Halloween. <clears throat> Brother Branham says in 1952, he says, shun the appearance of evil. I'll get away from common sense in a minute here. Shun the appearance of evil and have this first thing in front of you. He says, shun the appearance of evil and have this in front of you all the time. When it's evil, say... No. Need to say that. No. Nancy Reagan was not the first to just say no. Brother Branham says, you need to say no. I think we should practice. Let's all say no. Do it again. Let's all say no. There are some things you should say no to. When Satan comes and whispers to you something about uh, somebody else, some busybody involving themselves in someone else's affairs, you ought to say no. Right. Hey, if that doesn't involve me, you know what? I don't need to get involved in that. Keep it to yourself. Or if you got a problem with somebody here, go to that person yes. and deal with that. That does not need to become a church affair or whatever else. You need to say no. When Satan comes to tempt you about something that's outside the boundaries of the vows you've made, you know what you need to do? You need to say Let's, let's, let's practice it again. You need to say, no. and when your, when your kids are offered opportunities that, uh, you know, they, they may, they may look glorious and they may, uh, you know, everybody's doing it or whatever else and it's the, it's the, the common way to dress, but it's clearly outside the bounds of the Word of God. We need to learn to say, no. He said, you need to say that. No, that settles it. you got to remember, folks, that if it's a question between God's Word and this world, you're going to make somebody upset. When you take one side or the other, you're going to make somebody upset. And you got to make a choice. If I get in your grill and make you feel guilty about coming to church, you will remain guilty until I'm not around. And then that 'll go away. what we really want to instill in everyone is the desire to just be in church because it 's church, not because somebody got in my grill, not because somebody made me feel bad because i wasn 't there, because that 'll go away right, or uh, you 'll find a way to avoid that person if they make you feel bad. I, I say this that may, may god may God allow a reviving to sweep. This place and every other message church so that there comes such a desire out of the hearts of the people to be in the presence of God that God can't help but come around when these people gather. That God can't help but visit this people and pour himself out upon this people. You know, a lot of times I think, we think it's automatic. We think, well, two or three are gathered in my name. Look around. More than two or three, we're okay. Hey, you're not okay when we we live a certain way and come into the house of God and say, it's Sunday, Lord, where are you? It's not automatic, folks. There's a lot of things in this life that are not automatic. And you better not assume that everything with God is automatic because uh, there are some things that bring him on the scene and some things that don't. Right? And you may have done everything right. Like the Pharisees and scribes, they did everything right. But Jesus never came on the scene with them in the way he came on the scene when somebody touched the hem of his garment through faith. Are we okay? You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying you're a bunch of scribes and Pharisees. I'm saying that there's a mindset in Laodicea that kind of thinks like, uh, you know, uh, contrary to how America used to think in the early days, we were teachable, we were young, we were vulnerable, we were listening, we were asking God to help us in our time. And they lost that. America lost that. Look at where we've come to today. America's lost that. They've lost the respect for Scripture. And when you lose your respect for Scripture, let me tell you, a lot of things can go wrong. And the moment you lose your respect for Scripture in your house, your children raise up without a knowledge of Scripture. And I'll tell you what, they're going to think way worse than what you're thinking now when you lay down your Scripture. He says, don't have a wishbone, have a backbone like that. Stand out. And when you know you're right, if you believe in God, if you're born again, you will do it. When you know you're right, if you believe in God, if you're born again, you will do it. Don't have a wishbone, have a backbone like that. He said, and stand out, be willing to stand out. Daniel came to the place where, uh, you know, the, the, king's, uh, the king's requirement was that everybody should eat off his table. And Daniel realized, hey, this is not going to go. This is not going to be pleasing to God. So I've got to make a decision now. I'm going to make somebody happy and somebody upset here, but I'm going to draw a line in the sand anyway. He didn't be obnoxious to the uh, jailer or the, you know, the jailer, the warden or the guy who was looking after him. He wasn't obnoxious to him at all. He just said, if you don't mind, feed me a different meal uh, for 10 days and let's see what happens at the end of 10 days. And, and so he, he, he came at this situation in a way that I think displayed wisdom here, but he did it because he drew a line in the sand. And when you draw a line in the sand, somehow or another, that attracts God. I said, when you draw a line in the sand, that's what attracts God. When you say, I'm willing to go no further, but I'm not going to have them mess with our faith. They can change our names. They can change our dress. They can change our professors in college. Uh, they can change our curriculum. They can do all kinds of things. But when they tell us that we can't pray only certain times of the day, and we've got to pray to this golden statue here, hey, there's a line in the sand that's drawn. And when when you draw a line in the sand, God somehow is attracted to that. I say this, that God, I, I, I pray this, and I prayed this more lately than any, any time in the past. But I say this, Lord, may you, may you, may you light a fire, may you kindle a fire among our young people. That they would, they would in their own heart, not because I tell them, but in their own heart, draw a line in the sand. And say, this world is so overwhelming, this world is so obnoxious, this world is so tick tock. This world, it's got to tick God off uh, to look at this world and the way people are acting and so forth. And may I draw a line right here where the boundaries of the Word of God are clear. And Lord, give me the courage to stand behind it. And stop thinking stupidly like if I stand for the Word of God and I live pure, I won't get a husband or a wife. May God prevent you from thinking that. Let me tell you, when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll even make their enemies to be at peace with them. Come on, folks. He says, don't have a wishbone, but have a backbone like that and stand out. And when you know you're right, if you believe in God, and if you're born again, you will do it. He said, there's no question about it. If you're born again, it'll take care of itself. Somehow or another, Christ in you knows what's right. And may God help us that we can uh, we can listen to that Christ in us so that we would know where those lines are and that we can draw uh, the right conclusions about things. Here's James 4. Ye adulterers and adulterers, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God, and whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is in the enemy of God. Whosoever is a friend of the world. Wow. A little bit more before this new birth ever happens to the man, he cannot, no way, at all, understand God or have any knowledge of God. Though the world speaks it, his mind can't comprehend it because he's a, it's a human mind. He's got to have the mind of God in him to understand godly things. You've got to have the mind of God in you to understand godly things. Let me, there's many other places here and and many other things and Brother Bram's talking about how Satan will take the people a step at a time and a step at a time, you know, to a place of uh, insanity. And then because we've been like uh, frogs in a pan of cool water that's been slowly heated, uh, you know, we don't notice the changes, right? I showed you this article a good while ago. This is 2017 where at Stanford University they were studying the brain of a mass murderer uh, because they were looking for a biological basis for his violent outbursts and, and all the murders that he caused. And my goodness, you know what happens if we find a biological reason then no one needs to repent. There's no moral infraction, right? It's not a matter of choice. I was born this way, so you can't blame me. They're looking, let me tell you, they're looking for the same kind of evidence for homosexuality in our world, right? And then they can say, "Well, I was born this way." You, you can't you can't bring your Bible verse against me because I was born this way. And if uh, you know God wrote the Bible, and then He made me this way, there's an inconsistency there, and all the rest of it. Hey, listen, there, there's, do, you, do you realize the amount of money that's being put into uh, researching things like this, and uh, taking away uh, taking away the moral responsibility that human beings have, uh, and putting the biological basis in place there? I mean, there's an enormous amount of energy and resources that are put into that right there. And you know what it is? It's a people that have a disregard for Scripture. They have a disregard for Scripture. Because the Scripture says, in your eyes, you're neither hot nor cold. Right? He says, you know, because thou sayest, I'm uh, neither neither hot nor cold. He says, you're lukewarm. I'll spew thee out of my mouth. In, 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 in the eyes of people in Laodicea, they're pretty good. On the curve, they're pretty good. And onwards it goes, and onwards it goes here. Uh, a Christian, Christian woman preacher sent a girl down here the other day that looked like she was poured into her clothes. She was actually coming to interview Brother Branham. That's who she was from a well-known newspaper. And she came to interview him and, and said, Oh, Brother Branham, you're from the old school, and our pastor liberates women. Brother Branham, you're from the old school, and our pastor liberates women. And I said, liberate them from what? They're liberating them from Christ and common decency. But anything that does that, that's a child of hell. Women, do you realize what you're doing? Anything that does, that's a child of hell. He says, do you realize what you're doing? Did we take away... We liberate people from their moral responsibility. And look what you have in society. Do you want liberation? He says, do you want liberation? It shows what spirit's in you. You want to go free from church, free from Christ, free from the Holy Spirit so you can live like the rest of them. You have a choice. But here's what's interesting. Brother Bram says this in 1958. And that leaves me with one conclusion that I must be from the old school. Because I was one year old when he said this. And now here I am saying the same thing. I may be from the old school. But Brother Random stood for this because it was scripture. I think I have the same responsibility to stand for it because it's scripture. Not because of the date or my age. If I died tomorrow and you had a young pastor here, I hope he'd say the same thing. I hope he'd quote the same thing. Because you want somebody, you want somebody to stand for Scripture so that we maintain a respect for it. Let's come back for a moment here to common sense. And let's just... Let's just take another look at that last, the four points that Paine made here. And he says, America had a rare opportunity to create a new nation based on self-rule. Now, I need you to think spiritual for a moment now. As Payne saw it, both Americans and British knew it was inevitable that the colonies would break free. And that time had come. Just as important, the individual colonies had the potential to put aside differences from uh, and and from a powerful nation so Payne was observing that you know we have the resources to build ships we have enough men to form an army we can create our own gunpowder we have a currency we have a flourishing economy here a growing economy uh, we have industry we have roads we have infrastructure here and there's no reason why we can't become a nation itself in other words We've got resources that are here. We don't rely on England to give us everything we need for life. We have things here, and this country is blessed. And so, therefore, this idea of self-rule, he said, was basically common sense. But they needed to do it quickly. This was what Payne's warning was for them. They needed to do it quickly before the population grew to a point where divisions might develop. A division, for instance, in a political sense, where, say, all colored people got together and lived in one place. Or all wealthy people got together and lived in one place. Whatever it was that, uh, you know, maybe all the Irish people who emigrated and came over, that they'd all live in a place called Virginia or somewhere else, and they would take that over, and we'd become a divided nation. And he said, in other words, if you're going to have... Listen, one nation under God. Now he didn't have that phrase because he wrote his book before that phrase was written. But if you're going to have one nation under God, he says you're going to have to work to pull these people together with one constitution that creates an environment for a just law to be enacted and and, uh, you know, state laws, and national laws, and all the rest of it, and a, a government that serves the people instead of making all the people serve the government. And You're going to have to do that now because, he said, this particular time that happens to a nation, it only happens once, and it only happens for a little while. There's a window, there's a door open, and that door will close. And when that time comes, he says, you know what, then you're going to lose this this opportunity. Now, let's just think about this for a moment here because... The way, I, the way I thought about this this week here is that what God did in the message to Laodicea here, and he's unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, he said, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. That when men began to be born again, they were now part of a, a new race, if you like. And this is the way Brother Bram describes it, a part of a new race. And our Constitution is not the political Constitution, but our Constitution is the Bible. Isn't that right? We have the Word of God as our Constitution. So therefore, uh, we have the opportunity among us as believers when we come together. No matter whether you're living in the first age, the dark age, or the current age, we have an opportunity to become a community of people who recognize one form of government, and that is the government by God's Word. Right? Now, we're we're of the world, and we obviously had to work and pay taxes and everything else. But I'm talking spiritually now. We are a people who should respect one constitution, which is this Bible that God's given to us. And we have the opportunity to be able to use the resources that God's placed within us, like America had to recognize the resources that were placed in its own lands, within its own borders. It could defend itself. It could, it didn't rely on another nation. And that's why I believe God could safely remove us from denominational systems because we didn't need some sort of a denominational oversight in order for us to fight our battles. Right? You're following me. That God has placed within the body of Christ. God has placed within His Word lots of resources for us to use against enemies Foreign and domestic. God has given us lots of resources, and I say we should use them. I say we should think about what God has given to us and put in our hands here. Brother Branham says the Bible speaks that the U.S. would come like a lamb, freedom of religion, spake spake like a dragon, exercise the same power the dragon had before him. That's the USA. He said, A minister said to me a long time, uh, uh, not long ago, Brother Branham, God will never let the U.S. fall because of the basis of its forefathers founded on religion. And I said, but he let the Jews get carried away in the Babylon, and they had a lot better standing than we had. God ain't no respect of a generation that's passed. You either walk the line or you're out of the kingdom. He said, that's the scripture. These were great men who were taken off into captivity, like Daniel. These are great men that were, uh, you know, that, that had not committed any wrongs, but God had allowed it to happen because they had violated his word. And I just want to say this, that I think that that spirit of entitlement of people, uh, you know, just because we say we're in the message, and I think that's a grand and glorious privilege to say that we are a part of the body of Christ. I think it's a grand thing. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm, I'm delighted to be identified with the body of Christ. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the bride of Christ. And I, I'm not just saying that because it's Sunday morning and it fits here. I, I'm excited to be a part of, uh, you know, the, the people who are uh, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I'm excited to be a member of the, of, of the bride of Christ and, and in this last day. But I don't believe that we have in any way any license to be able to look at God's word and say... No, you know what? I've got a plan and I've got a way I want to do this and I want to, hey listen, I believe that we should live in subjection to God's word. I believe we should bow before Him. I believe that we should be listening to what He has to say. I believe we should be going where He sends us. I believe we should be putting our energy into the things that God would have us to focus on instead of what the world would focus on or what the social gospel dictates. God came down in a blood cell, not through a man, but by the Holy Ghost in that virgin womb. A tabernacle for the purpose of death was built. So in the womb of Mary, that body came into being because that body had to die for our sins. And the seed of the woman came in order that he might be bruised to, to bring us to our salvation. And when the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, he created within her womb the cell that would multiply and become the body of our Lord He said that was created, it was the beginning of the creation of God. And that's who Jesus is. The blood that we are created by is no different than that blood. And if that's the case, then we are the continuation of the creation of God. That's who we are. And Jesus lived his life with this one abiding principle that I do that only which pleases the Father. And I think that's a wonderful thing. And he wanted to come inside you and lead you and guide you. And Brother Bram talks about the little compartment in everybody's heart. And he said, God molded you that way. That heart belongs to God. When you surrender your heart, that heart belongs to God. That God made himself a little room in there so he could sit in that control tower and he could guide you. And it's his control room. And the devil come into it and he guides him to the things that he can see. Satan will guide you to things that you can see with your eyes, the things that your senses get a hold of. But he said, God guides him to the things that he said. Satan will guide you to things that you see. God will guide you to things that God has said. God sets in the heart and makes his word real to everyone that believes it. If we're going to occupy in any way, if we're going to make a stand in any way, I say this, Lord, make your word so real to us. Make it so real and set my heart on that word. Set my sight on that word. And even though it contains promises of things I've never seen, but yet I believe them with all my heart, then somehow or another you've promised here that you would guide me to those things that you've said. Lord, guide me to those places that you've ordained. Guide me to those things you've said, rather than reacting to the things that I see around me here. And I, I I don't need to go. I I was telling somebody yesterday. I don't need to go anywhere to preach to feel good. I feel good preaching here. I don't need to be in a, uh, you know, in a big crowd. Nothing wrong with with, with having a crowd or a meeting or a convention or a mission trip. Nothing at all. I mean, we love to do all of those things here. But you know what? I'd rather I'm, I'm much more settled in the place that God has ordained me to be than in the things I see everybody else doing. We should, be, we should be content with the things that God has blessed us with rather than looking over the fence and seeing what your neighbor has and wondering why we don't have it. And listening to everybody on Facebook who's comparing everything they have and you don't and making your life miserable because comparison is the mother of all disappointment, isn't it? And this is Brother Random. Hey, listen, this is 1958, and he's making simple statements here that I think are really important. He's got a, he's got a remote. He's got a control. And he want, he, he set it up in such a way. God molded you in a certain way that he wants to lead you and guide you. And he wants to shape your destiny. And he wants to move you in a certain direction and ordain your, your path and your footsteps. And we've said uh, many of these things before. And here's, Brother Bram, I mean, these quotes are over 65, uh, less than 65 years old. And, and Brother Bram's saying something, but it's so pertinent for us today. Would you agree? It's pertinent for us today because it's so easy to get caught up in the things that we see and the things that we hear, and the things that are going on in the world around us here. And this is what Payne, uh, he, he he cautioned the people, you're not going to have this opportunity forever. And I say this as the body of Christ. We should work at a people who are as unique as America was when it was formed all those years ago. Its constitution was unique. Its declaration was unique. And those documents are still unique in the history of the world. And America became a unique place because of its unique founding and the documents that uh, you know, were, were uh, original there and helped form the government and all of that. And, and Paine cautioned... Now, d- don't get caught up in Paine. He was later run out, of, uh, run out of his office because of the things he said against Christianity and so forth later. He was not, a, not exactly a believer. But he cautioned people to take advantage of the time that you're living in. It's like God has given you a a, a moment here. And just just bear with me another minute. He says, you've got a moment, an opportunity to make of this people, not 13 different countries, but one nation under God. He said, that's what you have the opportunity to do. And to create uh, a constitution that is is like no other, you know, in this nation here. And he went on and encouraged people to do that in a political sense. And all I'm saying to you this morning is this. Is that I believe that we we as the people of God, we've been given a really unique opportunity to establish ourselves, to establish ourselves as a church, as a body of people that are uniquely characterized not by some denominational idea, but by the pure word of God. But what's more exciting about being established by that is how we continue to live by it. When you look at how America began and where we've come to now and our values and our morals and so forth, it's quite a drift, right? Even though this message has been given a long time ago, and the New Testament' has been given a long time ago. To me, the beauty of the resurrection is how Christ can still live in people and manifest himself through sinful human lives that are totally converted and transformed, that they may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It's a miracle. It's an amazing thing that people would come among us and see real, true Christians. And you know what? I think we should never let that wane in our midst here. There are people who want to come and move here, and uh, you know, be a part of the church, and they want to, uh, you know, they they want to pull in, and for for various different reasons. There, I say, that people should be able to come to this assembly right here, HBT. They should be able to come really to any church that practices and believes the message. To be able to come and say, "Wow, this is a different group of people." What is it that guides them? What is it that shapes their thinking? What are they listening to? What are they feeding on? What are they? What, what what What's what's the guide? Who's the guide here? And the guide certainly isn't Brother Barry. But if the guide is still the Holy Spirit, if he still has the throne or the remote in his hand to be able to guide us all in his will, we can be that unique place that God can send people to and they can receive healing and they can receive stability and they can have strong families and they can have Uh, an understanding of the Word of God. And they can obtain rapturing faith. They can have everything they have need of for this hour. Isn't that the kind of place you want to have? Isn't that the kind of place that God's given us an opportunity to have? Follow the Word. Stay with the Word. Hold the Word up. Lift up the Word of God. And keep Christ central among you. And he says, you know, hey, this, this this group of people is defined by something that the world really, they, they never could copy, they never could emulate. It's just a unique place. And God has given us the opportunity to do that. And I say we should always pray that God helps us to preserve that. That even, even we who are, are quite human and quite capable of making mistakes, we still have repentance and that desire to make things right when we're wrong and when we do things wrong, to, to come to an altar or come to a person and make those things right. Because whatever way Satan would like to make inroads, well, he did in this nation and he did in other nations. And in a sense, it's a sad testimony that America loses its testimony of uniqueness by becoming like the rest of the world because they disregarded the Bible. What a great opportunity God's given to us. And on this Remembrance Day, on this Independence Day that we have in, in, in this hour that we, that we've come to in 2022. And who, who knew we'd be here at 2022? Everyone thought we were going to be gone at Y2K. And here we are, finding ourselves this far up the road here. The pressure against us being a Bible-believing fundamental Christian church is greater now the pressure against us is greater now than it ever was the temptations are greater now the struggle is greater now and the uh, you know the 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 spirits in the world and so forth multiply becomes greater now against the the principles of god and and let me tell you god knew it was going to be this way and his remedy was to take that bride out of here and one day we'll be gone in a moment in the twinkling of an eye thank god for that moment when it comes but until that time comes I want us to be identified as a place that's unique. Unique, sanctified, and holy because of who's in control, because of what's preached, because of what's said. Like Payne said about America, that door doesn't stay open forever. I believe this that when we, we as individuals, we come together, we ought to, we ought to be thankful that God has led us to a place of peace led us to a place of safety, led us to a place where we get everything we need of to get out of here. When the, when the, when the destiny of this world is to go down into tribulation, God's made a way for you to get out. That in itself is a, is a tremendous thing that God has brought you, not because you deserved it, but because of predestination, God's brought you to a place where you won't be swallowed up in tribulation like the rest of the world, but he's actually preparing you to change your body and take you out. If we have a reason to shoot firecrackers and fireworks, that's a good reason. If we have a reason to grill hot dogs tomorrow and, and, uh, and, and get together and rejoice, you know what? God's blessed us in this nation. He's, he's blessed us in lots of different ways. I'm, I'm thankful I, I live in this nation. I can't think of too many alternatives. And even I believe that God has allowed this nation to be as good as it is because we're still here. But you know and I know that in our times, things can change pretty quickly. Things can be shifted overnight, and our world is very different. In the meantime, I say this, let's put our energy into making sure that when we come here, our hearts are clear, minds are clear, and we just simply say, Lord, have your way. Have your way among us. Let's have our musicians just slip up here. Have your way among us, and and Lord, don't let us ever feel like that uh, you know, we're entitled to blessings just because of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the fact that we're, uh, you know, we're knowledgeable about what God's done in the last day. I, I don't think that just anything can substitute itself for hu- real, true humility in the hearts of God's people. I believe that's what He wants to see. He doesn't want you to try to figure it all out, He's got it all figured out. He doesn't want you to try to uh, guess where it's all going to go, He knows where it's all going to go. He doesn't want to try to figure out how you make yourself better. God knows how to do that. God knows how to mold us and shape us. But I think what he's after is just the people that are willing to say, Lord, I, I, I submit myself to your way. You're leading. Lord, you got the remote. I don't have the remote here. Whatever, you, whatever way you want to guide us and lead us. You made me for that purpose. And you made us for this last day. I'm thankful not that the Democrats are in power, the Republicans might come into power. That doesn't make me happy. What makes me happy is that a long time ago, I gave my heart to Christ. I got out of the barnyard and been walking with Him ever since. And no matter how long this life goes on, you know what? The joy is walking with Him every day. And then we shall be gone in a moment. We'll be taken away. Stand and sing. White as snow
5: White as snow Though my sins were as scarlet Lord, I know Yes, I know That I'm clean and forgiven Through the power Lord, I know, Lord, I know that I'm clean and forgiven through the power White as snow, white as snow, though my sins were as scarlet. died, now glorified, King of all.
3: a special invitation, there's always a place at the altar when there's a need. There are things that we can reach out to God for right where we're standing. And then there's sometimes we just, you know, it's just a good thing to have somebody lay your hands on you and pray. You're certainly welcome to do that this morning. God loves, God loves us. He's blessed us. He's led us. He's, he's used us. He's, he's one who cares about us. I'm thankful for that. we live in a world where there's lots of struggles and lots of things that are going on lots of ways that Satan's against us and I'll tell you what we need to pull together we need to pray one for another we need to rejoice we need to thank God for what he's done we need to thank God for one another absolutely amazing grace shall
5: always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my liberty. I do not He looks beyond. for me. How marvelous the grace that caught Lynn's soul. But he looked Shout!
3: Let's just let the Holy Spirit just deal with our hearts and brood over us for a moment here before we go today. Heavenly Father, we, we worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. Your God has blessed us mightily, Lord. You have, you've chosen us to live in what your prophet referred to as the golden age, the time of great understanding of your word. A time, Lord, when not even death would hold the people of God back You've chosen us, Lord, to live as overcomers in a very fallen world. And Lord, you'd never do that without you. you empowered, inspired your people, Lord, to live an overcomer's life. We thank you, Lord, for all the understanding you've given to us. We thank you, Lord, for your nearness. We thank you, Lord, for devoted people. That love you with all their heart. We thank you, Lord, for places like this where we can come aside and worship you, Lord. And we're not told by governments or kings what we need to say or do or pray. We are a blessed people. We are thankful, Lord Jesus, that we have one another. And Lord, may we as a people, Lord, learn to come humbly before you, Lord, and treat each other as though we are family, Lord. And to honor each other as family should. Father, we pray now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would just take every everything contrary, Lord, under your control, under your dominion, Lord. And Father, we know that you're able to take all things and make them come out for good to them that love you. We submit everything everything contrary into your hands, Lord. Pray that you would be free to move among us here. Bless your people, Lord, we pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because of salvation so rich and free. And Lord, we thank you in this season of Thanksgiving over this weekend here, Lord, when lots of people may celebrate a great nation. Lord, we we look at things as they really are, and Lord, we realize that The reason for giving thanks is because you have blessed us. And now, Lord, as we thank you for the independence that we enjoy, Lord, you have also made us an independent bride, independent of any human control. And, Lord, we are a people under the leadership and dominion of the Holy Spirit himself. Have your way in our lives, Lord, I pray. Have your way in a greater way in our lives. And Lord, may we testify of your greatness all the days we are left upon this earth. We love you and we thank you, Lord Jesus. Heal those that are sick and need your touch. Give strength, Lord, where it's needed. And Lord, you're the Prince of Peace. May, Lord, you just minister to each and every heart, I pray. We'll give you thanks in Jesus' lovely name amen more of you
5: yes more
3: you this morning as you go. If you want to stay and worship a little bit, that's certainly fine. We appreciate all of you being here today. Good to have the Byler's here and uh, just all the Pritchard family and extended family. May God bless you. It's uh, always great to uh, be able to worship with you. May God bless your uh, weekend, the balance of our weekend, and and, uh, be with you, with your families. May God go with you. Sing this as we uh, leave today. Uh, Let's speed it up just a little bit and sing every praise is to our God. And uh, may the Lord bless you this morning. Every praise is to our God.
5: Every word of worship. Every praise is to our God. Every praise, every praise to our God. Praise, every praise to our God.